With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, this is Keith Jones, the president of Hockey Operations of the Flyers. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. This is Stan Helfer. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the morning after. Presented by Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Pedialyte Podcast, the only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy at Joy on Broad. Next to me, Anthony Sanfilippo at Ant San Philly. And next to him, the Butte himself, Bundy at Cetarian 6. It is a jam-packed day of Flyers content here from the Snow the Goalie team. Not only do we have the morning after to recap last night's 5-1 win on the road, retribution in the Empire State against the Buffalo Sabres, but we also have the press row show happening tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. Uh, guys, I'm going to throw it to you right now. Uh, a 5-1 win after a disappointing loss at home. Did this get you back in a headspace where you say, you know what, Flyers went up, they handled business, we're good, move on? I, I thought it was a, as good a performance as they could have had, considering the circumstances. You lose your starting goalie, you don't have your top center, uh, in the lineup, and you just got beat by this team two nights earlier. You kind of uh, they surprised me. I think it surprised all of us. You know, we all picked Buffalo to win the game. I, I kind of thought it would be one of those um, games where they, you know, they competed hard and, and hung in there because of the the fact that they were, you know, going with Urson and and um, and there was no Couturier. Like I kind of felt like that was going to be a thing, but I didn't think that they would have enough. Oh, they had enough. They had more than enough. And and Buffalo, you know, helped a little bit. They were terrible. I mean, they turned the puck over every 10 seconds, it seemed like. But nevertheless, great job by the Flyers. Really played a, a solid game. Yeah, I agree. And first of all, you know, watching the game Wednesday night, right, You watch, watching the whole game through and through, I'm thinking to myself, how did the Flyers outshoot Buffalo 40-15? to 15? You know, and, and some of them were outside, but some of them were, were pretty good opportunities, I thought, for the most part. And then I turned the game on last night, and Buffalo's kind of telling everybody that they've turned the corner. They haven't turned any corner, first of all. They're the yeah. same team they've been. Secondly, to the Flyers, I give the credit to the Flyers last night. They jumped on a team that was not ready to play. They were a turnover machine from hell, Buffalo. Like, they're making plays with defensemen that they give a lot of money to, forwards that they paid, like, look into the future. That, I mean, it was brutal. And they think they outshot the Flyers by two shots last night. It was something like 21-19 or 23-21, something like that. But that's not a world beater on a Friday night in, in Buffalo that you're supposed to come back and, like, show off at home after winning the game here. Um uh, I was impressed by the Flyers, but what they did last night was they pounced on a bad turnover machine Buffalo team, and I'll give the Flyers all the credit. They responded. They did a great job getting the two points because, you know what, me and Anthony, we were talking the other night, guys, in the game. You fall too far behind in the points right now, 
even if it's four or six points, and you could be looking at two months of playing good hockey to get back up into the top eight. That's what happens when you fall back. So I give them a huge, huge uh, uh, salute last night for what they did on the road, coming off a loss. But it is also the other thing, too, is it's really hard to win two games against the same team. And, uh, and we found that out a little bit last night. If you're not ready to play in this league, anybody can beat anybody. And I saw what was a mediocre Buffalo team look like they were just going to put their skates on the ice last night, throw their sticks out there and go up and pick up two points. No, it didn't happen last night. The Flyers were ready to play. Uh, it had been three bad games for this team before that in terms of losses. But you know what? Getting a win on the road hopefully can send them uh, back home with a chance to beat a good L.A. team tonight and then head off on the road for a while. So I give them a lot of credit last night. I'm not willing to re-anoint anybody, but they got the job done against a team that just wasn't ready to play in Buffalo last night. And the Flyers got off to a really strong start in the game. And that's one of the things that we've looked for a lot this year. And Bundy, you know, you've, you've brought it up a million times that this team is better suited to be a team that gets a lead early and hangs on to a lead than a team that has to fight back from behind. And they, they got off to a, a, a great start. You know, there are questions um, about whether or not, you know, you'd see a guy like Konechny bounce back, which, I mean, he, he's continued to find at the back of the net. There are now, um, I, what? Continuing to find the back of the net. He's tied for the NHL lead in goals. He's got nine goals. Yes. He's tied for the lead. I mean, if we were 11 games into, if I said to you at 11 games into the season, the Flyers are going to have the guy who's the leading goal scorer in the NHL and the leading point scoring rookie in the NHL, you guys would have laughed at me, right? I, I mean, I would have laughed at me if I would have yeah. said that at the beginning of the season. And yet here we are, 11 games in with Travis Konechny with nine goals and Bobby Brink with eight points mo- tied for most uh, amongst rookies in, in the NHL. It, it's it, They've not been a great offensive team, but they've had some good moments for, for on the offensive side. And... They've, Last night was certainly one of them. They've pounced in bunches, Anthony. Like I'd like yeah. to see, like in terms of getting out and and they'll do a lot of damage against a game, a team in a certain game. Then there's been a couple disappearing acts, you know, in games where you didn't see anything. That happens a lot. You can't be misled. So I'm not telling it, you know, guys what, but you can't be too misled by points, even though you get them. But I'd like to see like consistency. Look down a, a sheet where you see like one assist, you know, one goal, one assist, maybe no points and one goal. You know, where it slides down when you look down the stat sheet, and that's consistent scoring through the thing. You know, you hate to see a guy who gets, like, you know, no goal, no assist, you know, for three games, and then you get three points in a game, you know, and it kind of offsets stuff. So I'm always, like, a little bit, you know, seeing where people think of players in big games. A lot of the stuff, when you look at Morgan Frost, a lot of people are like, well, he doesn't have great games against really great teams. You know, sometimes you just get what you can get out of guys, but I'm looking for a level of consistency. In terms of playing those big teams, you know, like the, the heavy Colorados, Vegas, Tampa's, you know, and they're when they were going. Um, but good depth, like like last night. But again, I think those guys like Bobby Brink's been good. You know, I, I really do. Even when he wasn't scoring before, he was still going to the net. Tyson Forster snake bit, like either that or he's going to have trouble scoring his whole career. Uh, but right now, he just looks snake bit. And I thought Morgan Frost last night actually played pretty good hockey game. You know, he got in on the on the deck, made some good plays. Um, goal scoring is always always a, is a, is a tricky thing to look at, but some guys do it in bunches. More guys do it. I think the the true pure goal scorers do it at a more consistent level. 
But that's amazing, Anthony. You're right to think of those stats. You know, nine goals for connecting and break leading all rookies with a guy named, you know, Connor Bedard, the next one, <laughs> the next, next one in the league. And, you know, here's Bobby Brink, who no one really had on anybody's radar before the year. So it's good stuff. We have people checking in from all over, as you would expect. Our good friend Joe Papel, who came up and told us that he bought season tickets because we got him so hyped this offseason. Checking in from Florida. Not the only one, by the way. Um, we also have people checking in from North Carolina. I'll, I'll pull these up as we're going. Um, how about Belpedio last night getting his first goal? Louie! Got a Louie, Louie! Oh, no! In this case, <laughs> oh, yes! You got a goal! Pretty cool, uh, a cool feeling for him, I'm sure, and and a, a really nice heads up play, and, a, and actually a, a nice shot, not a not a fluky goal in the least bit. The interesting thing about it, more than anything else, is that um, how long it's been. I mean, it's his, this was his first NHL goal, but he debuted in the NHL in 2018, right? I mean, so so when you think about it, it's been five, almost five years. Maybe it's over five years, actually. Um, since he first debuted and the time he scored scored his first goal and i believe it's um it, it, it's it's the let me where, where was i saw i read it uh he's the second player this season to score his first goal it's more than 2000 days after debuting uh, i guess andreas eglin for the kings did it uh on halloween um but you ready you know what the record is you ready for this you guys will get a kick out of this um it's actually a former flyer uh at one point in his career although it didn't start when because it started before the flyers existed there is a flyers defenseman named dick cherry um and he played on the flyers in the late John's 60s brother oh, yeah right so so he played on the flyers in the late 60s and scored his first goal as a flyer on january 19th 1969 he debuted in the NHL in 1956. He went 13 years between his debut and the first goal. Could you imagine that, Bundy? You know what, Anthony? It's called Perseverance. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that movie last night, Nyad, where the lady on Netflix yeah. went through the swam there from Cuba to Florida. Yeah. Actually, they should make a show on that guy. <laughs> First of all, how are you still in the fucking league after 13 years and not scored one goal? Wait, did I did I just hear what I think I just heard? Yes, you did. I think you actually. There it is. The Bundy Bomb has arrived. I know people have missed it. They've been excited. They've been waiting for it. We have people asking on the press row. I had a share. I talk about goal scores. I'm going to ridicule myself here, which I do very well. So uh, we're playing in Tampa, and I went like, yeah. I mean, I had. Like a defensive defenseman kind of goal scoring career, right? Two, three, four, you know, four maybe about my high, highlight. But so we're in Tampa and I hadn't scored. I remember the thing was 104 games, but it like it didn't go a whole season and into the next one, it like kind of split season. So I didn't go a year without scoring a goal in that time frame. So we're in Tampa one night and, um, I knew it. And guys were sorry, guys, I'm just gonna get my cord is charging on the thing here and, um, we're in Tampa one night, and uh, it's like a minute left. We got a one-goal lead, and I get the puck at the top of my own circle. And I'm just like, you know what? They got the goalie pulled. I'm just like, fuck it. I'm going for it. So I, I take a wrist shot from my own end. It sails about six feet in the air. It was right in the back of the net, and I dive into the bench. <laughs> <laughs> 
So in, in Tampa, right? And I'm thinking, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that, you know, because I didn't want anyone else going out there and, and having to answer for somebody, like, celebrating an empty net goal in a regular season game, right? I didn't want anybody to – because we were off. It's the end of our shift. And so so afterwards, I'm in the locker room in, uh, in Tampa, and uh, Clarky's in there, and he comes by me, <laughs> and he goes – it's a good fucking thing it hit the net. <laughs> so, so that was my uh, Bob Clark goal scoring story. And uh, it was. That's exactly it. And I'm thinking to myself, thank God it did too. Because if it comes back, right? If you miss the icing call and the thing comes back, you know, you're fucked. If they score and you miss the empty net, like there's no one else to hang on on except the, the selfish bastard defenseman. That was trying to shoot from the other end of the ice, and it didn't go in. But it went in, um, and uh, we moved on to the victory and probably on to Florida for the next night. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's great. That's great shit, Bundy. So yeah. just to – I've been while, – while Bundy was telling that story, I was, like, looking up that Dick Cherry guy who went all those years. So most of the time – most of that career um, – was spent in the uh, in in the minors, so he just he debuted in fifty six fifty seven. Didn't play again in the NHL until nineteen sixty eight. But the funny thing is about that sixty eight sixty nine season, Bundy, is he played the first forty games of that season without scoring a goal. Then scored that first goal in in game actually it was game forty two. Not so first forty one games without scoring a goal. Game forty two, he scores his first goal. He ends up playing thirty games more that season. Scored nine goals. He was a defenseman, scored nine goals after not scoring in the first 40 games, 41 games, scores nine goals in the last 30. And then he only played one more season in the NHL, and then that you was it. They were missing all those other 12 years? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? Where did that come from? Never give up on a guy. Never give up on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was, uh, he, was, he was 32 at the time. He was 32 years old at the time. So I just thought it was an interesting little little nugget. So well, we're, wanna, we're not even talking about the game at this point. So yeah, I was gonna anyway. say I, I want to talk about one thing that that also didn't happen at, at this game. Um, there was an injury in the organization that happened uh, after one period. I think it was the last <laughs> night's game. Right? Yeah, Felix Sandstrom got hurt after one period. And there are people that are you know dropping in the comments. We have Benjamin Molesky over here, longtime listener of the show saying, I think that San Sandy's injury is a result of him not playing all season then being thrown into action. How pissed are you if you're him? Um, listen, the... the he the did carrying, play the other night, though. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, the carrying of three goalies was weird from the onset. We have talked numerous times on the show about the fact that there have been many questions kind of concerning the status of Carter Hart and that that could have been a reason that they were carrying three goalies because we have now for two months straight been told there is a result of the Hockey Cannon investigation coming. It still has not arrived. Um, perhaps they were looking to have two other guys in, in with the team just in case something were to come out of that. Perhaps they wanted to have two guys up here in case they got a great trade offer and they decided that they wanted to move a Carter Hart or a Sam Erson. But Sandstrom uh, getting hurt kind of stinks. Um, it stinks for him, but it, it also now led the Flyers to have to call up Cal Peterson, who is not a good goalie. Well, he was, he was coming up either way, Russ. Yeah. 
Cal was coming up either way, just because Sandstrom was on the conditioning He's on the assignment. Conditioning stint, yeah. Right. So I mean, it was a, it was a, and of course, you, you know, it worked out. I mean, they're playing L.A. Yeah. He's going to play against his former team. I mean, there's a little bit of that too, right? I mean, but I mean, no. In all honesty, um, Sandstrom just was not in in the right condition to, to come up and play. Uh, you know, yeah. on a moment's notice after having not played for a, basically a month, actually more than a month. I think it was September 27th was the last preseason game that Felix Anstrom had played in. So they he needed, he couldn't be the guy they called right away. Yeah. Um, so we have that. That part's done. Um, was there anything else that you guys wanted to get to from last night's game that, that kind of blew your socks off? Yeah, well, a lot of, you know what? One thing, Russ, uh, I look at a positive, uh, you know, spread out goal scoring last night. Um, <clears throat> you know, it wasn't one guy getting three or four goals. I mean, it's pretty spread out. Um, one thing that did stand out to me last night also was Flyers transition. Now, I don't know if Buffalo is a team that's just so completely undisciplined. They have no idea what they're doing with the puck when they cross the blue line. But the Flyers' ability last night to turn pucks over and go back in transition was impressive, really impressive. And some of the short, uh, short passing plays that we saw as they got to the front, you know, made plays to the net. Were impressive. Saw another couple things uh, talking about the PhD line, as we will, I guess, follow along and call them. Um, they're just they're just big guys that just are, have a willingness to play the game in a north south manner, and um, they get pucks to the net. And when you get enough guys with enough size to make you know some intimidating plays in front, you're going to get some uh, tap in sometimes. So they've been impressive um, in terms of the way they bring energy. Uh, allow guys to go play a little bit more freely out there. They've done a really good job. I mean, you can't diminish the job that those guys have done because they do bring energy and they do bring support to the other three lines on that team. Yeah, and just to get a, just a quick little update on Felix Sandstrom. It's a uh, upper body injury. Not mid-body. No, upper. Not mid? <laughs> no. There's a fun story about mid-body that we can't tell. But it's yeah, funny. we cannot tell the mid-body story, but that's okay. It's, it's yeah, the, funny. The Carter Hart timeline has been kind of – all over the place. Do you have a sense of what what you think that might be? A month, maybe. Um, so, I, so I was originally told after the game, although I, I couldn't get it officially confirmed until the next morning. But I, I was told after the game that there was something that the initial thought was it was going to be something that was four to six weeks. Um, but they wanted to have him reevaluated and see. And then um, I was told the next morning that. You know they're hopeful that it'll be shorter than that, um, and that they were hopeful that it would be somewhere in the two to three week range as opposed to the four to six week range. Um, I know that they put out a thing that said he's day to day, and the reason that they put out a thing that says he's day to day is because they want to see how it responds this injury, like over to treatment and rest and see, and maybe it, it, it responds a little bit quicker and then he can get back out there a little bit sooner so that's why they've listed him as day-to-day I've been it's been reiterated to me that we're probably looking at the three to four week range for this injury for for Carter Um, but that has not been that's not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination it's it's one of those things, Bundy, where you know you you've been through injuries before, where you're like, oh well, okay, yeah. They originally tell you it's it's X, but then you start to feel better a little bit sooner, just because yeah. you know that's how your body is healed, and so maybe you can get back out there sooner. So I think that that's why they're playing it the way that they're playing it, as far as um, you know, the day to day status. But I do think this is going to be something that's going to be. I, I wouldn't expect him to play on this upcoming road trip. Okay. 
That's fair. I just actually saw the PhD line. Do you think the LCB line ever thought they'd be mentioned 40, 50 years later with the PhD line? <laughs> in the same context. Great lines in Flyers history. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. PhD, Legion of Doom. Yeah. LCB. Listen, I think even for people who like hated the concept of playing three bets on the fourth line and like that, that group of people still exists, right? Like that, that's not going to change. Even if you're somebody who like went into the season questioning it and you were like a super, super duper play the kids, play the kids person, like you watch that fourth line play. And, and if your takeaway is that like, it's a shame there's not a prospect playing on that line. I think we're watching a different sport. Like they're giving you exactly what you need out of a fourth line. They're setting a good example and they're, and they buzz. I, I would almost make the argument that it's more valuable to have them buzzing the way that they do and causing problems the way that they do to kind of set the table for the rest of the team to bring the energy when the team is struggling. Like there, there is something to that. And even in a rebuilding team and even in a team that's young, that is valuable. That's that's something you can't measure statistically, but it is something that does matter. Yeah, and I think that they might actually keep them together. I I, I would wouldn't be surprised. And I, I, this has not been told to me by anybody. This is me spec. This is me speculating. Anthony mm-hmm. speculating. I wouldn't be surprised if once Coots is able to come back in, if Forster is the next guy to to take a seat, just because I think that he's he's a little in his own in his own head right now. With the yeah. way he with the way he's playing, and, and he might need a you know I'm not saying that they're going to definitely send him down, but it might be one of those. Hey, take a breather, just go in, practice hard, and and we'll see. I think that's fair. Um, I yeah. wanted to get to one other thing real quick, and it's not it's not flyers based, it's flyer prospect based. So we've we've talked a few times about the fact that Mishkov's had like a really nice season in the KHL, but one of their other critical prospects is having a really, really good year for BC. And that's Cutter Gauthier, who, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the, the most recent goal. He rips a shot, it gets deflected away, puck comes back around, he rips it again. And I mean, it's not like he's playing in a professional league. It's not like he's doing this against... You know, no, but the NCAA, men, but, but, the, but, the, but it is more like that. Bundy, I mean, as someone who played in the NCAA... You could you could attest to this. There's a difference with playing. There might be more talent in Canadian Junior, but there's a difference physically playing against the guys in college hockey than there is playing junior. Correct? Uh, yes. Uh, major Junior. You know, it's funny. It's like Scotty Lawton told me. He's like, man, I'll tell you what. If you're even a point of game guy in like Major Junior now, it'll take a lot more than that to get to the NHL. It's not even a, a marking point anymore. NCAA has always had more mature players because you get some guys that are playing in their you know early twenties that go in as freshmen. Sometimes it doesn't mean it's fair. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, they were saying last couple weeks ago there was a game where the youngest player in NCAA hockey was an eighteen-year-old and the oldest start was a twenty-six-year-old, which is just pathetic as far as I'm concerned. To have you know, I mean, where's the development allowed to if you have a twenty-six-year-old playing college hockey is ridiculous, but. That being said, I think that he's getting a better look of what he's going to see here playing college hockey, playing a ton. Cutter Gauthier, for me, is a guy that I, I need to see at him at the World Juniors this year. The one thing last year he did not do was dominate the World Juniors. He had a good game against like a, you know, one of those countries that doesn't have a rich history of hockey. Uh, but you need to see him like dominate like a Canada or a Russia or Sweden, one of those teams. 
So that'll be a good uh, a marking point. College hockey for some guys can be, you know, you get a lot of space out there and it can be easy for you. But he's a big guy. He's got a tremendous shot. And, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see what he, he does in his future. But I don't want people to, to think that that's a benchmark to the NHL, what you're seeing in college. It's not. It's a similar. You're going to see similarities, but you're not going to see many snapshots going in from the top of the blue line where you're finding a maze of traffic on NHL goalies. It's some, you know, I've watched some of his, his clips. He does a good job. Big guy. Not sure what exactly is. He might be a winger in the NHL. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to see him projecting as a center. Yeah, I mean, that's just me right now. I need to see a little bit more of them, like, live. But you know what? They got something there. Um, and it'll be interesting to continue watching his development. But for me, the mark, the benchmark for, for him will be um, uh, his World Junior performance to see the development that he's made in a year. He didn't dominate them last year as a fifth overall pick. Um, he played good at times. He needs to really, really find that groove. And that'll give, I think, people a good indication of, what he's able to do in big games against high, high, um, a high level of competition. Another Stay guy playing two months, right? A little less than two months coming up, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Another guy playing in the NCAA that that looks good. He's actually on pace to break every statistical category that he's um, had in college hockey. Is the uh, the great Massimo Rizzo acquired in that uh, make good deal with Carolina? He's got five goals, ten assists. To give you some context. Uh, over the course of a full season. There are seven games in, multiply it by five, you'd get 25 goals and 50 assists. That'd be pretty great. But uh, his previous high is 17 goals and 29 assists, which he did last year in 38 games. So Look, you, know, like, you don't want to you don't want to like overrate things here, but like, hey, positive no, signs. No, perhaps. they like him. I mean, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go as, I wouldn't be as excited about the numbers that Massimo Rizzo is putting up than I would, as I would with Cutter. I think Gauthier, you're going to get to see play at another level, um, even before he gets here. And like Bunny just said, with the World Juniors, Massimo Rizzo's, you know, he could be one of those guys who kind of, you know, comes in and 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 surprises everybody a little bit. He could turn into a Matt Reed type Bundy, mm-hmm. like you know what I'm saying, like that kind of, you know, once you get into the league, kind of have a couple of seasons that you're like, oh, where did this guy come from? Okay, I think that's. That's where you're maxing out with a kid like Rizzo. That's not knocking him. That's just kind of you know the process of of that type of player. Um, but I do think that there's you know you, you should be paying a lot more attention to certainly to Cutter Goche. And real quick, I did see you put up Russ, and I don't want to leave uh, Matt hanging. He did ask about Risto and Stahl. Um, there's not much new on Mark Stahl. It's kind of um, you know where where uh, they thought he would be uh, in in his kind of recovery. I think it was four to six originally. Um, the Risto thing is interesting to me. He he served his military um, responsibilities this summer um, in Finland, and I think that kind of impacted his ability to train properly. And I think that when you have a a smaller injury. And you think you could, oh, we could just kind of plow through it, and then you plow, try and plow through it without having the training that you normally have. You have those situations where you get those little setbacks, those little bumpbacks. It's not a major injury with Risto. I'm just want to want everybody to understand that this is not like something that's you know, it's keeping him out long term because it's a major injury. It's not. It's just the fact that you have less time to to physically get yourself ready for a season. And you have a nagging injury, that's going to take a little bit longer to get to get well because you're not in 
the shape that you need to certainly need to be in uh, to start a hockey season. So that's more of where it's at with Rasmus. Um, I just wanted to let people know, and, and obviously we were clear about this from the start, uh, and we even put it up last night or yesterday or something. We will be back. I mean, I know that people are excited. We've got a lot of people on the stream right now, a bunch of people checking in on Twitter as well as YouTube and Facebook. But not only do you get us in the morning, but you're going to get us tonight as well. We're going to be doing the Press Row Show tonight live from Wells Fargo Center, the number one rated pregame, first, second, intermission, and postgame show, the side of the Mississippi. At least that's what we're told. So we're just going to keep believing it. Uh, we will be live tonight. It's 7.30 puck drop. So we'll be live tonight in press row at 7 o'clock. I don't know if we have a guest. Anthony likes to get guests. Anthony, did you uh, procure anyone for tonight, or are we going to still work on that up until? Uh, I haven't I haven't officially gotten one yet, but uh, I have somebody in mind. We'll, we'll okay. see. I actually, oh, I actually, by the way. I did, I did speak to someone about it, and they said that they would be willing to do it. I just don't know if they'll remember that they said yes. <laughs> First of all, like the Sixers play at one, right? That's in yeah. the game of seven. Listen, I know for a fact they could have emptied the floor off, changed it up, and had a seven o'clock game. Let's yeah. be done with the seven thirties, okay? If anyone's listening, call the league, change it up. I know it's a twenty-four hour rule, but seven thirty till seven o'clock is not really one that's considered because they started at seven thirty last night. Mm-hmm. Um, unnecessary to have a seven thirty game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too late. <laughs> I love this, uh, by the way, by, by RX Tall 87, number one rated gameplay show to <laughs> best stats and stat screen in the business. Yeah. So if you're yeah. if you're ever in a spot where you can't check out the game, you can keep the stream of the Press Row Show running through the periods. And we have the stat cast up on the screen so you can keep up with, uh, with the stats. Um, guys, I think that's probably a good place to, uh, to wrap for this morning. Again, we'll be live with Press Row Show tonight. It's going to be a heck of a game. Uh, they've got the Kings coming into town. The Kings have already, the Kings, I think, got in yesterday. Yeah, um, they were in town got yesterday. In, got in, got into town they yesterday. They beat Ottawa the so, other night. So. so you've got, you have the Flyers now traveling back or traveled back last night. Um, Kings are already here. They're acclimated to the Eastern time zone. So we'll see how this goes. Um, we will have our predictions out on Twitter prior to the game. We were a little bit late on that last night, but uh, we'll make sure that we have them up nice and early this evening so make sure you join us do us a favor if you haven't done so already hit that like button if you're on youtube if you're on facebook hit the like button as well we really love for everybody to go over youtube subscribe to the channel i'd like to get to i'm gonna set a a lofty goal here we're at about 2100 subscribers now i'd like to get to 3000 by thanksgiving so if you check out the show and you enjoy the show and you join us every time that we go live Please consider, if you don't have a YouTube account, it's free. Get one, sign up, hit the like button, comment and all that. And also, I'm going to drop a little little nugget here. We might be working on a live show, like an actual in-person live show, coming very soon. We actually are working on a few, but we have one that we've got much more concrete plans about. So uh, get yourselves ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a Bundy, nice Bundy's like, we do? <laughs> Boy, do we. Boy, do we. It's going to be a good one. So uh, make sure you spread the word about Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast about the morning after show for every road game. And, of course, the Press Row show tonight, live from the Wells Fargo Center, emanating live from the unnamed sportsbook. They don't sponsor us, so we don't say the name. But uh, for Ant on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly, for Bundy, at Cetarian6, I'm Russ, at Joanne Broad. Thanks for watching, maybe even listening after the fact in the podcast feed, to the morning after recap. 
Flyers win 5-1 over the Sabres. We'll be back tonight with a Press Row show. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tonight.